You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Chasen. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. The man across the studio for me is the one, the only Scott Chasen. Scott, I escaped my hotel room in Houston. I'm, I'm no longer in here. I'm here. I'm right. I'm, oh, I'm across I, the I see you. you I'm, I'm here. Fitz, I, uh, I said this to our uh, producer director after the show. I did not realize how much uh, speaking was involved doing your role. I have so much more respect for you now. I'm impressed you still have a voice when we uh, get out of here. That's, I, you have no respect for me. You can interact with us on social media. He didn't respond to that. At Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, <laughs> on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at GoPowerCat.com. Did I say that right, Scott? I, I think, think you got go, most go of it. GoPowerCat.com. We will start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, KU basketball fell to Texas Tech yesterday, 75-67. Neither team was at 100%, but... Was this loss cause for concern in Lawrence? Fitz, I actually think it was. There have been a few games this year that were a little too close uh, for comfort. Maybe not as concerning as this one. Now, I I think there were two kind of branches of how KU lost this game. The first was turnovers, guard play. Guys weren't getting the ball in positions where they could score. Kansas only scored 67 points. A lot of that's because Remy Martin banged up. He tried to give it a go. He played limited minutes but just clearly not the same guy. And Remy Martin, you know, if you want to call him the point guard or not, whatever, he's KU's offensive engine because of how the other players are able to play off him. Take Christian Brown, for example. He's at his most deadly when he can catch the ball on the wing, uh, face a closeout, maybe pump fake, get into the lane, or shoot that three-point shot. But in this game, with no Remy Martin to get into the paint and kick it out to Christian Brown, now he's having to create a whole lot more. He really didn't get going until late. Same for Ochai Abaji, although Ochai Abaji scored offensively, didn't play too well defensively. The second problem in this game, and it has been a problem for most of the year, it was that big man position. KU got absolutely blasted in terms of points in the paint. David McCormick wasn't very good. At one point, KU went to zone. It sort of worked for a little bit, but then the big man position faltered again. This is a team that actually has some problems now, and a big part of it is David McCormick hasn't been the David McCormick that ended last year. Now, look, normally I think there's some kind of variance in the performance of college players. A lot of them are 18 to 22-year-olds, you know, figuring it out. David McCormick's been around the block. This is his fourth year in college. He's been starting games. He's been relied on. And Bill Self has tried just about everything you can try. He's given him praise. He's kind of called him out. He benched him for a game or two and then, you know, gave him a bigger role when he was playing well. At this point, it's on David McCormick to figure out what David McCormick needs to get going because this team needs David McCormick to get going. Someone pointed out on Twitter he had an awful plus-minus in this game. That meant, you know, the other team outscored KU by a lot when he was on the court. 
I went back and looked. He's led the big men in plus-minus in nine out of 14 games this year, which you'd say, okay, he's been you know about the best big man two-thirds of the time. That's not good enough from an all-Big 12 player. Do you think Frank Mason was the best point guard in the game two-thirds of the time? No, if you're the starting center, you're playing most of the minutes. You need to be the man every night, and he has not done that so far. I hate the plus-minus. Mm-hmm. I just hate it. It can be misleading, especially for a single game. That's why I don't like right. looking at it without context. Right. But I think in this case, when you're playing one big man, you can see a little bit of how the other guys are working around him. I would agree with that. Well, Fitz, K-State is off to a little bit of a rocky start in Big 12 play with three straight losses and a thin roster thanks to a COVID outbreak. Can Bruce Weber's Wildcats recover? They will recover from COVID. (laughs) I don't know if they will recover from this start. It's been pretty uh, dicey for the Wildcats. They, They played with seven scholarship players last week against Texas. Then they went to West Virginia, had eight scholarship players. And, you know, they had a little bit more of a roster for this game, but they didn't have coaches. Bruce Weber and Chris Lowry, the number one and two coach, they've been out for both of these games. Shane Southwell led the team against Texas. They looked good for a half, and then they slowly dwindled and lost that game. Well, Shane Southwell then had COVID, and so Jermaine Henderson was the only remaining full-time coach on the staff healthy, and that's good enough for the Big 12. You got one coach, you got six players, you can go play. I think it's nonsense, but... Those are the rules, and that's what K-State did, and boy, did they play for a half at West Virginia, led by as much as 17, trail, or led by 13 at, at half, and then started to slowly see it slip away as the referees kind of bent towards Bob Huggins' favor, if you know what I mean. I'm not saying anything went wrong here. I'm just saying when you play West Virginia, a very physical team, and only 11 fouls or so are called on the Mountaineers, you're probably going to lose. And that's what happened. But it was only by three points, and it was a really great effort by these Wildcats. Those things kind of give you hope, but yet they are still losses. And so hopefully when this team returns home on Wednesday night to play TCU, a team it has to beat at home, They'll be back to their regular numbers. They'll be back fully staffed on the coaching bench, and they'll be able to really handle the Frogs. Why is that important? Because if you look at the rest of January, Scott, the full width of the Big 12 just hits K-State right in the face with games against Tech and Texas and and KU, and it just, just piles up on the Wildcats as they close out this month. They better get to winning, and they better do it soon because I don't think the excuse of COVID is going to save anyone from losing a job this season like it did last. For sure. You know, it's funny you brought up officiating. I know, obviously, Allen Fieldhouse is a hard place to play, and people bring that up. Two Big 12 venues that I think are really tough when it comes to officiating. West Virginia, because of how physical they play, as you pointed out. Texas Tech, same thing, especially when they had Chris Beard as the coach. Felt like they'd get a few extra, you know, charge calls that they might not get other places. Uh, I'd... I love hugs, but watching him work the refs is just unbelievable that the refs put up with it because he called a timeout at one point and just talked to the ref the whole time. I mean, it's just crazy with the stuff they allow him to do instead of saying, go coach your team. Mm -hmm. Well, Fitz, we've already seen some upsets in Big 12 action. Iowa State fell to Oklahoma. Kansas lost to Texas Tech. Texas lost to Oklahoma State. And number one Baylor was trailing TCU at halftime. Fitz, how competitive is this league going to be this year? Oh, by the way, I forgot Baylor is also on an upcoming game for the Wildcats. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. This conference is brutal. And this is my thing about K-State. This K-State team is better. There's no doubt. I mean, anyone can watch them play and realize that this is a better team. But in this conference, I don't think it's good enough. And Scott, 
this conference is just going to be brutal on everyone. I mean, I don't see anyone get through this conference probably without three losses maybe. KU already has one. We'll see how it all plays out, but it's just going to be such a grind, particularly if they have to start making up COVID games because we've already lost a few games that have been uh, not played because of it. Scott, you could end up in February, late February, playing three games in a week and all against really good top 25 top teams type teams. And I, I don't even know what to say about this league. I saw one bracketology that had three Big 12 teams as number one seeds. Now that all waters out as, as you know, we, we see teams beating each, each other. But boy, Scott, I, this, this league is just <laughs> brutal. It always is tough, but this year it's unbelievable how good it is. Yeah, well, you know, after the KU loss, Bill Self made a comment that, you know, no one was going to escape the Big 12 this year with one loss or, or no losses. And then he paused and he said, maybe Baylor's the, the team that's good enough to do that. I don't think that was fake humble. I think Baylor is that good. I think Baylor's the best team in the nation right now. But after that, I mean, Texas had some legitimate top five-ish buzz going into the season. No one expected the start from Iowa State. Oklahoma State has proven that it can be a little bit peskier than maybe expected. Oklahoma is a good team. Kansas is a good team. There is so much, uh, just so much in this conference. And then when you look at the bottom, and I know we talked about this last week, if you're a coach last year, you're thinking, okay, K-State's coming in. This is kind of an easy game. Maybe it's the same with Iowa State. This year, you're looking at K-State, and you're going, are you kidding me? This is a 7-10 to 10 team in a, in a power conference. It's crazy. Top to bottom, this is the best the league's ever been, I think. I, I agree, and I look around at other leagues, and I, I just wonder, hypothetically, where would this K-State team finish, say, in the Pac-12? Yeah. I bet you pretty close to the top. Mm -hmm. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, do you have a problem with two SEC teams making the national title game? That is, of course, Alabama and Missouri. No, I'm just kidding. Georgia. Uh, we look at the result. A, yes, 73% of people not a fan of two SEC teams in the title game. 27% say no. They have no problem. Well, it is what it is. They are the two best teams. <laughs> here we go. Here's this week's question. Call your shot here. How far will the Chiefs go in the playoffs? And here are your selections. Lose before the AFC Championship. Lose in the AFC Championship. Lose in the Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl. Be crowned kings of the universe. <laughs> well, that one's not really a choice. But make sure you vote on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 Fitz, it struck me how many times the word lose was in that. And then you, you realize only, only one team actually gets to end yep. the playoffs with a win. So uh, hopefully the Chiefs can do that. Well. That will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, we've heard Bill Self talk about KU's defense over and over this season. Is that going to be the weakness 
for Kansas all year long? Well, if Kansas doesn't get it figured out, then yes, I, I think that's the answer. Kansas hasn't been able to stop anyone in the paint, and Bill Self did something Bill Self does not like to do in this last game. He went to his zone, and hmm. he didn't go to his zone for one possession, and the other team hit a three, and he's, you know, we're not doing that. No, he went to his zone for an extended stretch of this game. Bill Self used to not even like switching. He wouldn't allow his teams to switch on ball screens until late in the season. That's changed, obviously, a little bit just because, uh, you know, with the way modern offenses have gone. But... Look, Kansas did some good things defensively against Oklahoma State in that win, and that was evident because Kansas had a nine-minute stretch where they didn't score a point and still managed to kind of comfortably win that game at the end. Uh, the, The game against Texas Tech was so different just from the perspective that Kansas couldn't find answers to get a stop. When Kansas went to that zone, it worked for a little bit, but even then, Texas Tech figured out that it could just attack the big man position on the court for Kansas. At one point, Zach Clements was in the game. He provided some good activity defensively, but then he gave up an and one. Okay, Bill Self goes to the bench. He says, Mitch Lightfoot, get in the game. Mitch Lightfoot gets scored on back-to-back possessions inside. He says, okay, David McCormick, get in the game. David McCormick loses the ball on the other end. He goes five small with Jalen Wilson at the five. That lineup doesn't work great defensively because Jalen Wilson didn't rebound the ball in this game for one, and he doesn't offer any rim protection. David McCormick has been Kansas's best big man this year. That's not saying much. I don't think there have been many great competitors. Mitch Lightfoot at times has been okay. But David McCormick defensively has generally been pretty important to the team just because he's a big body. He can stand in the paint. He doesn't need to block five shots a game to discourage guys from coming in there. Uh, this game, you got none of that. And when you're not getting the offensive production or the rebounding from the big men spot, uh, it shows that KU is vulnerable. And I tie that rebounding in with defense because rebounding is how you end each defensive possession. If they're not going to defensive rebound, which has been why Jalen Wilson is playing so much, even while he struggles, and they're not going to stop guys from getting shots they want, I don't know what they can do to take away something defensively like so many great Bill Self teams have. Fitz, I think it's a problem area. I think it needs to get a lot better from here on out. I've noted through the years that Bill Self's defense leans so hard on a rim protector. Mm -hmm. They can take chances on the exterior then of the defense for steals and have someone back there. And if he doesn't have that, the defense just doesn't work the same way it it does when when he has a big man in the middle that can just stop dribble penetration. And you talk about erasing mistakes. Ochai Abashi gave up uncharacteristic a few layups, but to your point, if Yudoka Azubuki is sitting there in the paint, that's going to be a block. That that ball is going out of bounds, but uh, instead they ended up being scores. Let's go back to Tuesday night, a little football here in Houston to recap K-State's 42-20 victory over LSU in the Texas Bowl. Fitz, what did this win mean for Chris Kleiman's program? It it was an important step. It really was. And, you know, knowing his history, he comes from the FCS ranks. He'd never won a bowl game. I mean, when they played in a bowl game two seasons ago, that was his first one he'd ever coached in. And it looks like he took the lessons from that bowl game in preparation and it helped him in this game. And also the late date of this game, the final bowl game to be played prior to the national championship game, the lateness helped Skylar Thompson get more and more healthy and he was extremely healthy for the game and it looked like it. He completed 75% of his passes, was razor sharp on third downs as K-State kept converting third down after third down. It was a really nice win for K-State. We all recognize that LSU was depleted. Um, but that isn't K-State's fault. There's nothing for K-State to be ashamed of that they beat a depleted LSU team. It still says LSU on the hats. And as I pointed out on our post-game podcast, we went back and kind of reviewed it, 
LSU still played this game despite having 40 or fewer scholarship players on the field available on game day. They still played this game with more four and five star recruits than K-State has ever gotten in its history. Wow. That's how much talent LSU has just sitting around on the bench to step in. That isn't true at some of these other schools. And so I, it's, I don't feel sorry for them. You know, they're the ones who accepted the bid and K-State played the game. And K-State played really well. They didn't play down to their opponent. But the big news, of course, coming out of the Texas Bowl was the revelation of how good the offense performed in the hands of Colin Klein as interim offensive coordinator. And Colin Klein was named offensive coordinator on a permanent basis this week by Chris Kleiman. I think that's a great step forward for the program. I'll be interested to see how they fill up their two openings on their coaching staff. I imagine one will go to Brian LaPac, one of the analysts who actually coached in the game, and he will fill one of those slots. But K-State seems to be in a really good position right now. Adrian Martinez is coming in to play quarterback for a season, kind of a bridge season as K-State should be pretty loaded on both sides of the ball. And they need to take another step forward. Eight wins was nice. As Chris Kleiman said, it's better than seven wins. And now he just wants to keep the march going forward. Fitz, you know what this game almost reminded me of a little bit? It's like when a father and son play against each other on a basketball court. Mm -hmm. Some might be more athletic and more talented, but there's just something that dad's not going to let him win. And yep. yeah, it was a little bit of that. K-State looked like a team that knew what it was doing, knew how to execute, and sure executed at a high level. And let's not forget, K-State played a bowl game against an SEC team not too long ago with Cody Cook, a receiver at quarterback. So <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> and now we step out of bounds, and out of bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, we now know that the Kansas City Chiefs will be the AFC's number two seed in the playoffs with the Titans clinching the number one seed today. How much of a loss is it for the Chiefs to miss out on that number one seed? It is. I mean, you, with only one team getting a bye now and having home field advantage, which I think it's weird that only one's getting a bye, either two or none. Come on, guys. Uh, it just is really uh, disappointing that they blew that opportunity in one of their final games and couldn't get the win that they really needed. If they keep advancing, they will have to go on the road, but we will see how it all plays out. The playoffs have a weird way of making some teams step up and other good teams kind of fall by the wayside. They got a lot of makeup for after what happened last year, but um, it's, it's looking good. I'll just mm -hmm. say this. I almost think that might have been a little last-second added wake-up call to this team that mm -hmm. They're not so good they can dominate everyone. You better go show up every week. I personally do think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC, just to bounce off what you just said. I think the one thing they're missing out on here is just a chance to recover, whether it's with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey at the end of the game, even just giving everyone a week to kind of refocus. I think that's where this is really lost. But at the same time, if you're the best team in the NFL or the best team in the AFC, whatever, go out and prove it. And I think the Chiefs have that opportunity in front of them now. Absolutely. Now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question is sponsored by Metalark, supporting people in living their best lives. Our fan question this week is, Scott, how much would a healthy Bobby Pettiford help the team right now? That's from Daniel in Lenexa. You say what? I think he would help probably a lot. It's tough to know just because he played such a limited role early in the year. If you don't know Bobby Pettiford, freshman point guard from Kansas, Bill Self's very high on him. He's called him the next great Kansas point guard. 
I think he'd be helping a lot more now with the injury to Remy Martin. And it, it seems like Remy Martin's injury is something he can kind of play through maybe on a pain tolerance basis, but it really hasn't looked the same when he's been dinged up. He played a limited role in this last game. Kansas has got to get him healthy, and, and I do think it would help them to have Bobby Pettiford back just because Joe Yesifu hasn't really emerged and hasn't really done anything of note in that backcourt to help him. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our t- Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. It's now time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your predictions. Uh, on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 let's look at last week's results. Of course, we haven't had the college football championship mm-hmm. yet. The fans voted for Georgia, but heading into that, the viewers went 2-0. I went 2-0. Scott went 2-0 in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That's a good Which way to is kind of summing up the season, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for Scott. Here's this week's picks, and we're going to start. This is all college basketball this week. Kansas is 11.5-point favorite versus West Virginia. Scott. Fitz, you know this, had a very tough time with this line. Mm-hmm. I'll take Kansas. We'll see what the health of the team is, but I think Kansas can stretch one out. It's a big number. I will take West Virginia because of the size of that number. Fitz, next is K-State plus 8.5 versus Texas Tech. We kind of shuffled this line around. Who you got on this one? Well, it's so hard to know who K-State's even going to have. Will they be at full strength? I would imagine so. That's nine points. I, I think K-State will keep it in single digits. I'll take the Cats to at least cover. Fitz would not shock me either way. I'll go with Texas Tech, just played well against Kansas, but I think K-State is a lot better than maybe people realize as well. We're not confident in our picks at all. (laughs) We're picking opposite teams, and neither one of us feel good about it. Our last game of the week is Texas is a pick at Iowa State. I will go with the home clones. I will take Texas. Chris Beard, please don't let me down. Yeah. Ask Texas Tech fans about that. <laughs> Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. It's now time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. Here's Scott Chasen. Well, I'll keep it brief here. I, I think this last game was another indicator of what Dewan Harris can be in the good and, and what he's still kind of missing out on. One game after he made a defensive play that Bill Self said might have been the best play by anyone in college basketball this year. Personally, I think that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but a good hustle play to steal the ball. This game, he's kind of camped in the corner. He didn't shoot when open, and Texas Tech stopped guarding him. If he's going to play, if he's going to play big minutes, he has to shoot when he's open, and he has to involve himself in the offense. Otherwise, it makes it too hard on the other four guys on the court. Very good. Well, I tell you what, Scott, last week or a few weeks ago, excuse me, I was able to announce that my cancer is in remission. 
Unfortunately, I have gotten close with a number of men who also have prostate cancer, and one of them was a former player that I rebonded with and a former coach at Kansas State, Matt Miller. Matt Miller died today at the age of 49, and that is younger than what the medical community wants to test men for prostate cancer. They won't even consider the PSA unless there's symptoms until you're 50. That's got to change. Matt was hit with prostate cancer at 47 and dead by 49. When you're young and you get it, the odds aren't good. Mm -hmm. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.